Chapter 12 To London Part 1 After the battle, William and his men made their way to Hastings, where the town surrendered their loyalties to the new King William. He stayed in the town for two weeks, waiting for news from London of the country's submission to their new ruler. But the news didn't come. It seemed that, although William controlled Pevensey and Hastings, the whole of the rest of England was hostile and against him. This enraged William. He was the rightful ruler, after all, promised the position in front of God himself. How could the people support the treacherous Harold Godwinson, not least when he was dead? William launched a campaign of terror designed to frighten the country. He set off first to the town of Romney, near Tunbridge Wells, and there he slaughtered many men. Next on to Dover, where the locals had created a defence inside the fortress. However, as they saw the Normans approach, they soon abandoned their positions. William decided to stay a week or so in Dover, mostly so that he and the men could get some food and rest. However, the water they drank there and the meat they caught made many of the men sick, including William himself for several days. After this destruction of the South, William finally made for London, and on his way he heard of the existence of a competitor to the throne, Edgar Etheling, the great-nephew of Edward the Confessor. It seemed that London was supporting this young hopeful, backed by some earls of the North called Edwin and Morcar. William had, of course, visited London in 1051, when Edward the Confessor asked him to be the heir, and so the Duke knew the city well. He sent an advanced party of cavalry ahead, approaching from the south, and they entered a very well-defended city. It seems that many of the survivors of the Battle of Hastings have returned to London, and that many had never actually left, as Harold had left the city in such a rush to get to Hastings. Most of the city itself was north of the River Thames, and as William's men approached, Londoners flocked out of the town, over London Bridge, and were killed by the Normans. The English soon retreated back into the city, and the rest of William's men torched the south bank of the city in fury. The stubbornness of London angered William, but he knew that if they tried to enter the city, they could be defeated. So, using the experience he gained in France, he began a harrying of the surrounding area. If he could induce enough terror, then the people would eventually surrender. The army rode west into Hampshire, Oxford and Wallingford before turning northeast to encircle the capital. Normans burnt down houses, they destroyed towns. The soldiers killed men without cause and raped the women. Food was stolen, livestock killed, and William left a trail of terror in his wake. The atmosphere in London by this stage was increasingly worried. By November, Edwin and Morcar decided to head north to their earldoms in Mercia and Northumbria to defend their people, and this was a major blow to the fortress of London. Soon after, Edgar himself surrendered to William's rule, and London gave in. No corner of the country would now stand up to his brutality and power. Part 2 but William was not king until his coronation. When he finally rode into the city in December 1066, London was silent and tense. William looked around the scared faces in the windows as he rode his horse through the cobbled streets and knew that his coronation needed to be a quiet affair. No street parade would be appropriate here. The people of England had suffered. Many had lost people they loved in the awful fighting that had taken place. And now he needed to reassure his new country. William stayed in the palace at Westminster, in Edward the Confessor's old apartments, and made arrangements for the ceremony. Then, on Christmas Day, 1066, William was crowned King of England. The new king was insistent that the service take place in exactly the same way as it had done for the other English kings. He gave a short talk to the people there about his determination to protect the people and to bring peace. It was a relief for the congregation to hear more positive words from their new leader. Then, 
Aylred, Archbishop of York, asked the people if they would accept the rule of William as king. He had to ask in English and French. And the crowd replied enthusiastically. Indeed, it was a bit too enthusiastic. The Normans, who were standing guard outside the church, panicked, thinking that there had been a rebellion, and they set fire to some nearby houses. The people in the church heard the commotion and ran out to recover what was left of their homes. By the end of the service, there were only a few bishops actually left in the church. It wasn't exactly a peaceful start to William's reign as king.